Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Good evening, Nest family. How are you guys doing today? Trying to stay dry in this uh, in this wet weather, right? Man, it's an honor to be here today with you guys and to share what, what God's really put on my heart and what he's been ministering to my soul. It's um it's something special. And and man, I want to say for those of the house, you guys know that God is doing something so special in this place. He's taking people to a deeper place. A deeper place of revelation, a deeper place of intimacy, amen, and I could testify to that, and and I pray that you guys have testimony on that as well, amen. Man, God stirred something in me that I really want to pour out into you guys. So if you're taking notes today, the title of the message is, We Are Cross Pointers. And we're going to get into the root of, of what this means you know, I wrote, this rest, I wrote this message about two weeks ago or three weeks ago before we had the, the leadership seminar, which was last week with Pastor Rafi from, from Puerto Rico. And I've, I've come to the realization that man poured something out into my life that was so special. And maybe it's not a realization and maybe it's a revelation that I got that to be a cross pointer, you must be a leader. So if you're sitting here today, know that you are a leader. Therefore, you are a cross pointer. This has, been, this has been the theme and the vision of this church for a long time. You guys that have been here, you have heard Rigo say over and over and over again that we're being built up to be leaders. And through our leadership, we are pointing people to the cross of Christ. Through our words, through our actions, through our lifestyle, through our conversations, through the relationships that we have. And through our authentic love for God and people. So what is the cross? You know, when I think about the cross, I think about one word for me. And that's redemption. I think about the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm like, man, I'm redeemed because of that. So I want to get a little bit interactive with you guys. And if you could think of one word of what the cross means to you, just go ahead. Just love, amen. Forgiveness, amen. Anybody else? Endurance, mercy, amen. It's powerful. That's powerful. I have here in my notes forgiveness, redemption, freedom, mercy, grace, truth, hope. You said something. You said something. Endurance. Awesome. And the cross has so many meanings, but yet it points to one main thing. It points to love. And as believers, we have to look closely and be reminded of what the cross signifies in our walk with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the word of the cross is folly, or in the New King James Version, that word means foolishness, to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. There's power in the cross. It's not just a, an ornament, not an ornament, a piece of jewelry that we wear on our necks. It's not just something that people draw on sidewalks. There is power in the cross of Jesus Christ. So the love, of the, the love of Jesus was poured out on the cross. And what does that mean? 
What's the reason for it? You know, there's certain things that we need to recognize. There's certain things that we need to accept. And some of the things that I'm going to be going over today may seem very elementary to us. But it's the core of our faith. It's the gospel. And the gospel is the only message that has the power to change a man's heart. And, and I hope you guys catch this because the gospel is as much for the unbelieving world as it is for the believers. It's very crucial. Very, very crucial. So let's get into this. We know that we're not good. We know this. It's elementary. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. And we're not good because of one thing. We're not good because of sin. But Jesus was good for us. And because of that, we're cross pointers. We know that nobody is without sin. Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But Jesus overcame sin for us. And because of that, we are cross pointers. And now there's a penalty for our sin. We know what the penalty is. Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of sin is death. So death is going to be the arresting officer that is going to take us before the throne room of God. For us to pay for the crimes that we've committed against him. But Jesus paid it all on the cross. And because of that, we are cross pointers. We've broken the law. We know this. We know what the Ten Commandments are. It's the moral code that was instilled that's written on our hearts. We know it's wrong to lie. We know it's wrong to steal, to commit adultery. We know these things. This is elementary stuff. But the law does one of two things. It either leads people to their pride or it drives people to despair. That's what the law does. Pride for the ones who say that, yes, I am good and yes, I have kept all of the commandments. Like the rich young ruler found in Luke chapter 18 where he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know what you need to do. You need to keep all of the commandments. Do not steal, do not lie, do not commit adultery. And he says, I'm good. I've done this since I was a young man. But Jesus knew this man's heart. He already knew what the answer was going to be. So Jesus takes it a step further and says, get all of your possessions and sell it to the poor. And that's when the man walked away sorrowful. So that is an example of pride in the heart. And I want to give you guys an example. A lot of you know that I do a lot of street ministry. So when I'm out here talking to these people, I run through a test that's called the goodness test. So the question I always start with when I'm evangelizing, I always ask people, do you think you're going to go to heaven? 99% of people say yes. The next question is, why? Because I'm good. I've done so many good things. I'm a good person. I treat my friends good. I treat my parents good. I have a good job. I don't kill anybody. And now this is the part that the gospel comes to strip pride away. So we go through the goodness test. And the first question I ask is, how many lies have you told in your life? And everybody always laughs. They're like, oh, man, yeah, I can't even count. It's too bad. I don't know. Okay. Have you ever stolen anything? Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I, I stole a nickel from grandma's bag. Okay. Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? Ever said OMG? Most of them say yes. Okay. So now we take it a step further with the final question. I ask them, 
you know, one of the commandments is, is you shall not commit adultery. But Jesus takes this a step further and says, any man that looks at a woman with lustful intentions has committed adultery with them in their heart. Right? And all, everybody says yes to this question. It's always a yes. So the point of this is to strip people from their pride and make them realize that, man, I'm not good and I need a savior. I need somebody that's going to come to take my place because I'm never going to attain heaven on my own. This is elementary stuff to us. But let me tell you something about elementary. There's sometimes that I forget how to write certain words. There's sometimes that I forget how to do fractions. And it's good to revisit elementary from time to time. Amen? That's pride. The second one, it leads people to despair. The people that think that they are never going to make it. If you guys could turn with me, Luke 18, it's going to be verses 10 to 13. Give me an amen when you get there. Amen. So in this passage, I'm going to show you an example of somebody that has a very prideful heart and somebody that is in despair. So it says this, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So you see in this passage, one man is consumed with pride and another man is consumed with despair. Do you guys get this picture that I'm trying to paint here? Amen. The tax collector saw that he could not keep the law. He was in despair. So yes, elementary stuff, we know that we're offenders of God's law. We know it. And the main problem is this. It's that God is good. God is holy. God is just. And man is not man is not so the question is this if God is good if God is holy if God is just what does he do with us what does he do with a guilty sinner what does he do because if a just God simply pardons the wicked then he's not just and if a holy God calls wicked men into fellowship with himself he's no longer holy so what does he do how does a just God pardon wicked men? And how does a holy God call wicked men into fellowship with him and still be holy? God is love. And the answer is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where the answer is found. The hope is not within ourselves. The hope is found at the cross. And the gospel is this. This is elementary for us. That we are unworthy because of sin, but God in his love in his grace, in his mercy, made a way for guilty sinners to be redeemed. God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And Jesus bore the sins of the world upon himself so that we can be reconciled to God. And now all who repent and put their faith and trust in him will be saved. We're guilty in God's courtroom, but Jesus steps in and pays our fine. So picture this, picture this in a court of law here on earth. You get a speeding ticket. 
You go up to the judge. The judge reads you your case. says, you're good to go. Somebody paid your fine. Somebody you didn't even know came in and paid your fine. So there is a legal implication to this, right? Because if the fine has been paid, then God can legally let you go. There's a legal aspect to this. So now what do we do with this information? We know what the gospel is. We've gone over it. Yes, our core belief is that we know we're flawed because of sin, but we are made alive in him. And Jesus, you need to catch this. Jesus didn't die so that bad men can become good. He died so that dead men can become alive. I'm going to say that Jesus didn't die so that bad men can become good. He died so that dead men can become alive. Romans 8.10 says this, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So now because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we now have access to things in the eternal realm. We have access to the throne room. We are not perfect. Christians are not perfect by far. But we are being perfected. We're being perfected through his love. And now through repentance we are saved by grace through faith. We're justified in him alone. We're justified in him alone. Romans chapter 10 Verse 9 through 11 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. You will not be put to shame. That's a promise of God. For with the heart one believes and is justified. God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's God's promise to us. And the love of the Father is so evident throughout Scripture. I'm going to ask some of you guys to turn to a Scripture for me. Just if you could bring up John 3.16. Ernie, if you could bring up Romans 5.8. And Tito, can you bring up 1 John 4.16 for me? Give me an amen when you guys are there. Jess, can you read it out loud? Oh, man, that's beautiful. That brings so much hope. You know, that's probably the most pop, one of the most popular Bible verses out there. But that there is so much hope in this statement. For God so loved the world. This message is not exclusive. It's not exclusive to one sector of religion. It's not exclusive to one denomination. It's not exclusive to one race. It doesn't matter what color skin you have. It doesn't matter what color eyes you have. It doesn't matter what part of the world you are from. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And now if we believe in him, we have eternal life. Ernie? beautiful God demonstrates his love towards us so while my heart was wicked while I was jacked up on sin Jesus says man I'm dying for you Jesus took a cross knowing that there's going to be people that will never love him back no he knew it he knew it but in the midst of my wickedness he says I want that man I want him 
I want him. Tiro. Oh, man, amen. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him, man. It's beautiful. And because of the Father's love, we are cross-pointers. We know salvation is a free gift. We know it's not earned, right? Amen? Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing. It is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. Because salvation has been freely given to us, we are cross pointers. You know that there's people that could hear a gospel of freedom and yet live in slavery? You hear a message that breaks chains, but yet you're still bound. They're trying to earn God's favor. We love because he first loved us. And we gained the favor when Jesus took the cross. So now we live in freedom. Scripture says who the Son sets free is free indeed. Man, let's live in that freedom. The gospel has changed us. It has changed our hearts. It's changed our minds. That's why we're sitting here today. Because we've been gripped by something. We've been gripped by something so powerful. That now we put to death the deeds of the flesh and we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Regal's been preaching on this. Deeper death leads to greater glory. But the gospel goes so much deeper than that. When you really examine it, it goes so much deeper. What kind of love drives God to crush his own son so that you and me can live? I don't know any king that has ever come to die for his people. I don't know anyone except for the man of Jesus Christ. Except for the man of Jesus Christ. It's the most powerful message ever because it changes people's hearts. No message in the world has that power. No message in the world has that. Paul was a cross pointer. Acts 20, 24 says this, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace. Picture this. Paul was on a mission to kill Christians. Paul believed that Jesus was the biggest blasphemer that had ever walked this earth. So he was set out to annihilate the Christian faith until he had an encounter on the road to Damascus with the resurrected king. Paul had an encounter with Jesus. And that's where he had a mind change and a heart change. So he goes from one spectrum to the other. He believed wholeheartedly that Jesus was a blasphemer. And he wanted to do away with everything that Jesus stood for. Until he had an encounter with him. That's the king that we serve. He has the power to change your mind and to change your heart. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. I want to read to you a quote by a man named Charles Colson. And he says this. I know the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. You guys know what Watergate is? Okay. How? 
because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me that 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. All of the disciples were cross pointers, and they knew what the cost was going to be. They would have never spread the gospel to the end of their lives if it weren't true. If they didn't see Jesus resurrect, walking and talking, there is no way. They're not going to spread this gospel knowing that they're going to get killed for it based on a lie. They're cross pointers. That's what the apostles were. So how does the life of a cross pointer look like? It looks like all of you guys. All you guys in here are cross pointers whether you know it or not. The second you became a Christian, you're pointing people to the cross of Christ. By your words, by your actions, by your lifestyle, by your relationships, you guys are all cross pointers. Everybody has a ministry. It's a different ministry than mine. Nobody has the same ministry, but we're called to the same thing, to love God and to love people. So my first point, first and foremost, let love be the ruling principle of your life. Jesus said to those who followed him in John 13, 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The greatest demonstration of the fact that we are Christians is that we love, that we love people. We love people. Number two, be a witnessing Christian. We witness in two ways, by life and by word. And when it's possible, both should go hand in hand. We're not called to keep our faith to ourselves. We're called to share the cure and the hope that we received. That's what we're called to do. If you see people in a burning building, wouldn't you want to go in there and tell them to come out? Right? If you see somebody that's sick and you have the cure to their disease, wouldn't you want to share that with them? Amen? And the third point, man, is to live in surrender. Living in a state of surrender is something that is so crucial in our walk. We must get to a point that we no longer see our lives as our own, but we live our lives in the authority of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Amen. So I challenge you guys today. How deep is our intimacy? How deep is our love? How deep is our relationship? To what extent will our love for Jesus drive us? We're called to show the world the love of Christ. I said this before, we don't have the same ministry, but we have the same calling. To love God and love people. And the most loving thing that we can do as believers is to show the world, despite sin, that there is redemption. There is forgiveness, mercy, grace, and love found at the cross of Jesus Christ. We are Christ point, the cross pointers. Amen, man. Hallelujah.